theme for the season. Um, and that theme comes from Romans chapter 5, verse 8. And I think it's on the screen. Um, but God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Many of you, maybe all of you, are familiar with this verse. Um, and we're not going to be doing a series out of Romans, per se. But I hope during this Lenten season, this truth is something we can grab a hold of really, really deeply. That God's love is demonstrated to us. And one of the beauties of Lent is that during this season, we begin to take away all the spiritual barnacles that are on the hulls of our spiritual lives, right? Um, we start removing those things that blind us to the presence and power and working of God. And we can be reminded once again that God has demonstrated his love towards us by dying for us. So here we are at the front end of Lent, and we already need some encouragement. The truth is, it kind of feels like we've been in Lent for a year already, and that we just skipped Easter. That's not exactly true, but it kind of feels like it is. We can call 2020 and this, the first two months of 2021, a year of living in exile, a year of living in Lent, a year living in the dark where our flashlights aren't working, our iPhones don't have service, and our compasses are just spinning on their needles. Those things that orient us, our work, our family gatherings, sports, school, and church have all been knocked into disarray. So as we enter into what the Orthodox call the bright sadness of Lent, I think it behooves us to draw encouragement where we can. And I want to suggest tonight that a great source of encouragement is baptism. And not just any baptism, but the baptism of Jesus. The baptism of Jesus in the Jordan by John the Baptist. So tonight, we draw special encouragement for this Lenten journey by looking once again at the baptism of Jesus. His baptism is especially encouraging because it reminds us, in the words of my friend Chris Kettler, uh, soon to be emeritus theology professor at Friends, um, but Chris says this, he says, uh, that the response of faith should not begin with the weakness and vacillation of our own faith, but with the faith of Jesus. And I think baptism illustrates this reality in a very concrete way. Let me repeat it. The response of faith should not begin with the weakness and vacillation of our faith, but with the faith of Jesus. So let's pray. Lord God, in the baptism of Jesus, help us find hope and courage to follow him in faith every day. Amen. I get the honor of preaching about baptism every year, uh, the baptism of Jesus, I should say, every year. And today will be the second time this year. Uh, it was just six weeks ago that we covered this uh, passage. Uh, the sermon was called, Remember Your Baptism. And uh, the year before it was called, Remember Our Baptism. Um, so, and they're both uh, recordings are out there. Go check them out if you want and leave a tip. Um, there's no way to leave a tip, by the way. Um, 
So we might wonder, why should we bother with this again? What's, what's the point of talking about the baptism of Jesus once more? And I think the answer to that is simple. We're forming our lives around the story of Jesus. And Jesus' baptism is not only a critical part of his story, but it is one of the places where his story and our story overlap perfectly. In baptism, we get to go under the water with Jesus. So nearly every time that I preach on the subject, I ask myself and all of you the same question, which is, why was Jesus baptized? Now, I want to remind us that the questions that we ask of Scripture and the questions we ask of God don't have to be answered to our satisfaction to be good for us. So tonight, you may leave here not completely convinced by what I have to say about why Jesus was baptized. But I think the very act of wrestling with the question is, is really worth our time, and I think it makes us grow. And I think the more questions we ask like this, we're going to find ourselves like, uh, like uh, Jacob wrestling uh, with the angel and receiving a blessing and maybe a wound. Now, there's a lot of different answers, and let me throw out some of them to you uh, about why Jesus was baptized. One of the first ones comes from Matthew chapter 315. His baptism was to fulfill all righteousness, whatever that means. We can do another sermon on that sometime. Another reason is that Jesus was baptized because it confirmed that he was the Messiah and his baptism was a kind of anointing. So the word Christ, the Greek word for Messiah, means anointed. Um, another reason is that the baptism of Jesus provides us with an opportunity to see the Trinity revealed. Uh, the body of Jesus is in the water, the voice of God the Father, and the descent of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, like a dove. Baptism and the baptism of Jesus demonstrates the, necess the necessity of repentance. Um, that's why John was baptizing. It was a baptism of repentance. And Jesus underwent that, not because he himself needed to repent, but because he was leading us in it. Another one is it's an opportunity for us to follow Jesus. Uh, it's a simple act of submission where we can perfectly do something that Jesus did and receive his mark on our life. And following on that, baptism for us as Christians is the mark of the covenant. It says that we are saved from sin, that we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit, and all of this because we are made a part of Jesus' family. Like circumcision in the Old Testament, baptism is how God marks his people. And it is made available to all, not just men, as in the Old Testament, and not just Jews, but to all people who go down into the water with Jesus. But tonight I want us to think about something a little different, and that is, and following on the theme that I mentioned from Romans 5.8, I think Jesus' baptism is one more way that he has demonstrated his love for us. God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. You see, in baptism, Jesus symbolizes that he's going to enter into the flood of death with us and for us. He's going to enter into the flood of death. He's going to undergo death on our behalf. And by the way, I use that word flood on purpose if you paid attention, you noticed that we read the story of Noah earlier. And there was a lot of death in the story of Noah. 
And since Jesus is the only one who cannot stay dead, we have his resurrection to place our hope in as well. But that's getting ahead of ourselves. Um, that's a sermon that we're going to hold off for the next six weeks if we can. Um, this is just the first week of Lent. You see, baptism represents death. It's not unusual if you witness a baptism to hear these words, buried with him in death, and the person will lay the, the pastor or whomever will lay the person in the water, and then raised to walk a new life. Have we all heard that? Um, a lot of us? And Romans chapter 6 goes further. If you want to follow along here, in Romans chapter 6 it says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we've been buried with him by baptism into death. So that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Baptism illustrates us following Christ, following Christ's death. And as a result, our sins are no longer material. In a world that is awash with death, and, and 2020 has been a world like that. In a world awash with death, what greater comfort can we have than Jesus confronting that death? And the Gospels do a great job of reminding us that Jesus is going to confront death and that he himself is going to die when all three of the, well, when the, not, there's four Gospels. Uh, when three of the four Gospels start off with the story of Jesus' baptism. Recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, when Jesus is baptized, it foreshadows his death. And it also foreshadows his coming resurrection. I may have shared this story once before, uh, but Kalana has been baptized two times. Um, and we just discovered this. Um, we were going, last year we were going through some old uh, papers, and in there we, we saw this envelope, and it said something about a Methodist church, Imperial Nebraska. Nebraska. We opened it up, and it was a baptism certificate uh, in 19, I won't tell you the date, uh, but it was the year she was born, um, or a couple of, a few months after she was born. And she, was, she had been baptized uh, as a child. And then later on, or she was baptized as an infant, I should say, and then later on she was baptized as a believer. Um, now, following that logic, I think we could say that Kalana has been baptized three times. Because her first baptism was when Jesus went under the water of the Jordan River. But instead, I like to think that Kalana was baptized only once. Jesus went under the water in roughly 30 AD, and Kalana came up out of the water sometime, I think, in the 80s, the early 80s. One baptism, Jesus' baptism. 
So I hope you see how this works. We go down with Christ in death, and he raises us up in life. This is not all that baptism does, but in a year that has been so drenched with death, death from COVID, death overseas, death within our borders, death everywhere, how critical is it that we confront the reality of death in the company of Jesus? And with that, I want to draw your attention once again to those words of Chris Kettler. He says, The response of faith should not begin with the weakness and vacillation of our faith, but with the faith of Jesus. Is there faith present at baptism? All of us who believe in what we would call believer's baptism would say, yes, it's the faith of the person being baptized. But I tell you this, I think there was faith present when Jesus, when, uh, excuse me, when Kalana was baptized as an infant. The faith present there was the faith of Jesus, who went into baptism first. So our response of faith to Christ doesn't begin with our weakness and our vacillation. It doesn't begin with our fear of death, which I think we all probably are afraid of, at least at one point or another. But it always begins with the faith of Jesus. And this is the beauty of Jesus' baptism. And I think this is why the baptism of Jesus is mentioned in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it's alluded to in, in the Gospel of John. Because why is Jesus baptized? Because Jesus has faith when we can't have it. Jesus has faith when we don't have it. Jesus invites us to follow him in his baptism. I, I think you all probably know people were being baptized before Jesus was baptized. It wasn't an unusual thing for Jewish people to participate in the mikvah, which is a a ceremonial washing. And John the Baptist, it says, was baptizing people out in the wilderness, this baptism of repentance. So it's not like Jesus was the first person to ever be baptized. But Jesus' baptism is on a different level. Because in his baptism, he draws us all with him. So, here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab that cup of water. Hopefully you haven't drank it all. I'm looking at you, Adelaide. And uh, hopefully you didn't drink it all is my point. Um, so, and like I said, we're not going to baptize ourselves today. Um, and if, you're, if you've never been baptized, I hope, I, I invite you to come and talk. I would love to talk to you about it. But I want you to take this cup of water and I want you to dip your finger in it. And since we had Ash Wednesday earlier this week, we're all practiced in how to do this. But just take a little bit of the water on your, on your fingers and make the sign of the cross on your forehead. Or, or dribble it on top of your head if you'd like. And as you do this, let that remind you of your baptism. And if you've not been baptized yet, let this water that's on your head right now help you anticipate the baptism that is yet to come for you. Our other scripture readings this week included the story of Noah and the ark and Peter's 
reflection on the meaning of the story. In the ark, Noah's family was saved through the water, it says. The ark is an image of God saving his people in spite of the flood, saving his people through the flood. In 1 Peter, we see what early Christians saw in the story of Noah. And I want you to think about this. What they saw in the story of Noah was not a whole big riddle about geological time. What they saw in the story of Noah was an image of God's saving work in Christ through the church and in the water. They saw in the story of Noah God's saving work in Christ through the church and in the water. 1 Peter chapter 3.21 tells us, In baptism, which this prefigured, that is the flood and the Noah's ark, baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want us to finish up by hearing the flood prayer. And I read this to you guys last month. Um, and, and I found out that this originated, I think, with Martin Luther. And uh, so we have him to thank for this. Uh, but many Christians have prayed these words prior to baptism. Uh, in brief, the, the, the flood prayer takes us through the whole history, really, of water <laughs> in Scripture and the, what the imagery of water represents. And it enables us to perceive Christ's movement in the waters of baptism. So listen to these words, this prayer. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. Genesis 1. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow, Genesis 8 and 9. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea, Exodus 14. Their children you brought through the Jordan River to the land which you promised, in Joshua 3. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb, Matthew 1. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and those who receive it, to wash away their sin and clothe them in righteousness throughout their lives, that dying and being raised with Christ, they may share in this final victory. So if you haven't already, dip your finger in the water, draw the sign of the cross on your forehead, and remember your baptism. See it happen once again in a river in the Middle East roughly 2,000 years ago. Let us pray. Lord God, we ask that as Jesus descended into the waters on our behalf, that we might all follow him there, not just in the moment of our own baptism and not just in the memory of that, 
but in every moment of every day. May we follow Jesus into the flood. May we follow Jesus into death. And may we rise with him out of the waters. We pray this in his holy and precious name. Amen. Well, now I want us to uh, pray the prayer of repentance and prepare ourselves to receive uh, the Lord's Supper tonight. I've got too many pages here, so I, I lost them for a moment. I want to invite you to uh, either remain seated or to kneel. And I hope you can recognize that in this prayer of repentance that we pray every week, uh, we're following Jesus through the water once again, through the baptism of repentance. Let us pray. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name, amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all of our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen.